Oh, hey, kiddo. How was the hill? Educational. Oh, learned a new trick? Yeah, the trick to a happy, fulfilling life, maybe. I learned that mountain air unleashes my inner peace. And rip and pow, well, the whole crew's all, yoo! Induces spontaneous joy. Okay, uh, that's nice. The Icon Pass lets you do you at 50 destinations worldwide from 249 Adult. Drop in for next winter now and save at IconPass.com. All right. Um, you know, we always get a chance to, to talk to folks sometimes, and, and people ask me, well, how do you get people on the show? Well, you know, because I, I, I only ask the people that I want to talk to, which means that I, if you haven't heard me talk to anybody in a while, because I don't want to talk to them. Uh, you know, and there are a lot of people out there who are new that basically aren't interested in talking to old heads like me, but that's okay. Uh, I have found a new um, social media platform. That social media platform is TikTok. You might have heard about it. Um, some of the older people call it TikTok, but it's not TikTok. It's actually TikTok. Uh, and it is getting a, an increasing, um, uh, it's being known more and more for its political content, which is kind of, which is kind of the opposite of what a lot of social media platforms um, are being known for, because a lot of the politics are being pushed off of social media. Uh, but while I was on, I, um, have found some videos. If you don't know what TikTok is, it's sort of like um, an extended, an, an, you know, an extended version of, of, of Vine. Vine used to be six seconds, TikTok's a minute. <laughs> and as TikTok is growing, people are getting more and more creative and it is really getting quite a following. As a matter of fact, my wife has a TikTok now, which is kind of scary for me, but that's how it is. So I found this gentleman, um, Topher. Topher at topertown.com and and I just sort of liked his style it's sort of a laid-back kind of style kind of like I used to be when I was young like this young man um, just sort of putting into the ether common sense stuff that seems obvious to me seems sure seems obvious to you and that's why I sort of like his style and his presentation so I hit him up on TikTok and I said come on you got to come on the show. And you know what he said? He was so respectful. I was like, well, that's not me, but thank you. I appreciate it. So on the other side of the, of the line here at the Fight Back, at Fight Back 2020 is Christopher Townsend, known as, as Topher on TikTok. Christopher, thank you ever so much for um, dropping by this afternoon. Hey, man, appreciate it. Uh, thank you for inviting me out, man. Um, Willie, I do... Uh, appreciate any opportunity I have to just discuss things. I know a lot of times growing up, I know you're black like me. I am. I've learned, <laughs> I've learned to vocalize my opinion a little bit more because when you was little, it was shut up and do, do what I say. You know, it, it wasn't no explanation. It wasn't, you know, we didn't go over the miles. <laughs> and so when, and a lot of people ask me, how long have you been Republican? I said, honestly, I don't know because I never had the opportunity to think for myself. <laughs> so, yeah, I said, true. if I had to be honest, we, we, most black people technically are conservative. And, um, but yeah, man, it's been a blessing. I, matter of fact, I got on TikTok back in November. So it's been roughly four or five months and I've amassed 160,000 followers. Just like, that's crazy. Cause I've been on social media for years. If you're talking about Facebook, if you my Instagram, Twitter, and 
I may have a combined 6,000 followers <laughs> across three platforms. Me too. But thanks to TikTok, thanks to TikTok, man, it changed the game for me. And it's, it's just different. I love it. I love the, the ability to duet videos. So now you can actually challenge people in their thought processes and their beliefs. And I just think it's a great platform to have this type of conversation. Even though, like you said, TikTok was not designed to be that way. And they kind of like, mm, let's really back in a little bit. But I think they should just let it naturally evolve to what it should be. That's, That's just my take on it. Well, no, no. I think, I think you're actually right, you know, because everything is just going to be what it's going to be. I think they should just, it, it, it's riding just, it's, it seems to be riding just fine. There's an awful lot of popularity. So um, if, I can, if I can learn a little bit about you, um, Chris, like you just said, you might, you, you may have been conservative for a long time because it, it is true that most black people and the most black people in the South um, live a fairly conservative lifestyle, always has. Um, we've always, as families, believe that if you want something, you better go out and work for it. Uh, we all heard um, from from the front seat to the back seat, uh, can we tap at McDonald's? You got any McDonald's money? <laughs> you know, uh, we or, or you got any insert what you wanted money, which meant to us that if you want this, then you you get it yourself. So this always been our lifestyle. We've never really depended on on government or actually anybody else to provide anything else for us. It was kind of how we grew up. Um, but as you as as you, as you became an adult, what did what what decided? Why did you decide to to put yourself out there? Because in, you know, in 2008, I, started, I put myself out there and knowing what that was, what made you decide to, you know, I say, well, whatever, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to put myself out there, my name, my face, my whole deal. What made you decide to take that jump, that jump, that leap? Well, uh, Willie, dude, um, to be honest, man, I've been trying to be vocal about stances for years. Um, I remember I would, Subjects would come up, especially like, you know, when uh, um, Obama was, uh, we had the whole overseas crisis and we was talking about um, Syria and all that stuff, because I was ex-military. So a lot of stuff I talked about was like, man, I don't like his foreign policy. I don't like how he keeps drawing a red line in the sand and he keeps just letting them step right over and does nothing. And so a lot of stuff I talked about then as far as, you know, you know anti-abortion, stuff like that. When I used to talk about it, I used to get my, well, my wife at one point in time would tell me, Hey, you shouldn't talk about this type of stuff because people think, you know, you represent me too. And if you talk about things, they're going to think I think the same way. And so I used to always get all kind of flack. And I was like, you know what? Back off. And then I tried again, got the same thing. You know what? I'm going to back off. Then I got into a position where my job wasn't so dictated or hung on my political beliefs. And so I was like, hey, I got to get back out here talking about it because when I got on TikTok, I saw someone bring up about, what was it, uh, how many food stamp benefits based on what Trump and his administration was trying to do. And I was just want to show them, like, what they're proposing is not going to kick kids off. It's not going to kick off single parents. It's not going to kick off elderly people. All it's going to kick off were people that were 18 to 50 that was uh, eligible to work. That was it. I was like, that's, I feel like that's how it should be. And the only requirement was he was going to force the requirement of having a job. Well, Obama did with his stuff is re relax that a little bit. So allow people to be on there without jobs. So I was trying to put that in. And I said, when I did it, a lot of people were like, whoa, this guy knows what he's talking about. And I think it was a breath of fresh air for people because all you see is the, as I call them, the race hustlers. 
you know, the people that's already already trying to, as soon as something happened that involves different races, they're jumping to the front line to make sure everybody knows what's going down. And that's all TikTok was used to. So I was like, hey, let me let me make another video. I made another video that I was like, you know what, I kind of like this. Not because one thing, most of my family wasn't on TikTok at the time. So it allowed me that freedom without, uh, <laughs> you, know, I get you. you know what I'm saying? So I kind of had that freedom, the true freedom to say what I wanted to say. And as I did it, the more I did it, the more I grew comfortable with talking about things, the more I grew comfortable with putting my name out there. Because at first I was kind of like trying to keep it separated from my job, keep it separated from my real name. And then eventually I was like, when I found out my bosses, you know, I talked to them about my TikTok and they were like, heck, they're Republicans in themselves. And like, yeah. So since we agreed on most everything I was saying, I was like, well, they're not going to be mad if someone reported that to them. So I was like, hey, let me just, let me just, I guess, exercise my freedom and try my best to inform people. And, I, and someone asked me the other day, it was a young black guy on TikTok, I forget his name, but he asked me, he said, hey man, what is your goal on TikTok? Are you in here to make money? For some reason, people think because you support Trump or conservative, you make money. You're getting a check. I, I, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I'm just like, I, I ain't gonna I lie to you though, you. Chris. If, if if he was giving out checks, I'd get one. <laughs> oh, we, we may get one anyway. But anyway, <laughs> so he so he asked that question. I told him. I said, "No, my." I said, first of all, there's more money in race hustling than there is anything." Trust. Me. Yeah. I was like, "There's no way. There's no way I make money doing what I'm doing. I'd be the I'd be the least in line. Why would I take the hardest rap? And second, I told him, "I'm on here because I'm." offer alternative uh, talking points or commentary that you normally don't hear. You normally don't hear your mom or mom and dad talking about this, your family or your friends or your school books or your textbooks. You don't hear these type of, uh, I guess, I want to put, I guess, perspectives from those people. And so what I did, I was like, I just want to get on here and offer different. Instead of you thinking, oh, it's racist. They profiling me when I walk in the store. How about you think, maybe a lot of people that look like you have been stealing from this store lately. So they're mm-hmm. looking at you more often because of that, you know, um, just, just to, just to broaden their uh, perspective a little bit. Say, Hey man, let me look outside the box. So right now I got a very narrow vision and that's what I try to do is just try to open it up a little bit. You know, it's funny. Uh, when you get on an, ele- you know, I, I'm an older fellow, but when you get on an elevator and quite frankly, there's an older white woman who clutches her purse a little tight. I always laugh. I'm, I'm I'm going. You probably. I'm thinking this lady does water aerobics twice a week and could probably outrun me, honey. I'm I'm the safest person you could have in this, in this elevator. You probably beat me to death with that with that purse. No, you fine. But I understand. I understand. Younger people, male. She's gonna clutch her purse a little tighter. That just that that's that's called self preservation. I'm not taking that as races. I'm just thinking that not everything. First of all, revolves around me. And never, not everything in the world revolves around the color of my skin. It just doesn't. So I'm glad. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, you know, sure. why do you think the left pushes back so hard against black conservatives, especially um, because the left is okay, has been okay with some black Republicans. Because that's a different thing. They've been mm. pushing that back. They've been, you know, they've been sort of allowing that a little bit. The, you know, that opposition. But black conservatives, especially in the past, you know, eight nine years, as well, at least through um, President Obama, they hate 
black conservatives and white cons- white liberals push back the hardest. Why do you think that is? Well, it, it's, it's almost like it's right. I tell people right now, it's 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 almost like an abusive relationship. And the one thing you can do to empower a person that's being abused is to teach them how to defend themselves, teach them to think for themselves, tell them how much they worth and all that type of thing. As soon as you do that, that person loses power and they lose the puppet that they're controlling. So to me, you know, we could go back to talk about how Malcolm X talked about how the white liberals are pretty much the the uh, the foxes and, you know, the races were the, the wolves. And that's why the foxes end up catching food more often because they're nice and friendly. Um, and to me, that's what white liberals have been and continue to do so as well. And to me, if I go out and tell everybody, hey, guys, there's nothing, you know, you can do anything. You, you can do anything you want to do if you just, you know, don't get in trouble, if you get the education, if you, you know, make some great financial decisions. I mean, that's bad. I mean, we got to think about this, too, man. White liberals control our schools, control the colleges. A lot of them control a lot of the jobs. So if if that's all gone, they lose money. They lose power. And that's what it's all about. They don't want that power structure gone. And I don't know. I'm here to destroy it. I'm here to run it all over. And it's been very difficult, you know what I'm saying, because it's sad because we still have our black brothers and sisters who just don't get it. They just really live up to the hype. And I just be like, hey, you actually just looked at the fact. Like I was doing a video, I'm doing a series right now on YouTube called uh, Is Trump Racist? And I think I'm going to do five, it's going to be five videos to the series, but I already did the first video. And it was talking about, you know, how they, the news and the media and everyone saying that Trump called for the death penalty for the Central Park Five. He actually didn't. He never did. And everything, and everything they point to is the ad he took out. I said, did you actually go read the ad? They was like, oh, yeah, I did. I said, no, you didn't. Because you go read the ad, he specifically called for it the defense of white, of black, Asian, Hispanic, and everybody in New York City. And then went on when he talked about the death penalty, he was talking about how soft crime had gotten because police brutality, which is still a thing people call today, caused police to back up off policing. So this caused crime to rise and it caused people to be, and it caused people to just, I guess, be more victims. But when he called for the death penalty, he was saying, if someone kills somebody, then they should be he killed too. So since Central Park didn't kill nobody, it's like he never called for the death penalty, guys. He he hardly mentioned their name in that ad. And it's like, how does the, how does one complete this to push their narrative and everyone just believes it? And it's crazy to me. You know, we, you know it was once said that we are in a post-truth era. Um, because it isn't the truth that mm. it isn't the truth that matters. Um I right. <laughs> a little bit ago. Uh, my, I, I had a car break, I had a car breakdown and had to replace it. So, and the car I replaced it with it. Well, the, the story is this, I can say that the last two cars I've driven were a Lincoln town car and a Cadillac CTS. That sounds impressive. Wait, wait, there is context. There's, there are details that are important. The Lincoln, the Lincoln was a 1999 Lincoln that I didn't buy, I did not buy new and the Cadillac CTS is 2004 car that I just got, which obviously I did not buy new. Details and context matter. You know, so yeah. when people say, well, you talk about that, well, did you read it? No, but if you read it, then there's details and context. But that, well, you know, the left doesn't like us to 
know about about that. Uh, I've mentioned this before, and I, it's out there. And if you see it, it's cool. I um, actually got a chance to interview Andrew Breitbart. Um, that was my actually my first real mm. interview. I'm terrible. Wow. He's amazing. He was amazing. I was, <laughs> I was, I was, I, I, and he was just so kind and gracious. But something he said to me, and I want to know if you if you if you believe this. Whoever controls the narrative controls everything. So when we have these these white liberals on in the news media and on social media, the idea is that they, they're controlling the narrative. And what they hate about you and me is that we're going against the narrative with context and details. And people are listening, and that's what they hate. And that's why they fight yes. back so hard. Um, well, so, and that's where the ad, ad, ad hominem attacks come in. It's because now they want to be like, you know, call them racist or call them Uncle Tom. Because as soon as you call somebody Uncle Tom or Uncle Ruckus, black people stop listening to them. Like, they're going to back off. It's like, yeah, because, you know, he's racist. And, and that, to me, is the, the most detrimental thing I've seen is just how quickly we are to believe a word and how it turns everybody off to you and i face that a lot of times when i'm on social media is they say and then like you said a lot of people black people don't listen they don't even care what you have to say they just automatically assume it's against the race because now you've been labeled that it's like come on guys yeah you're absolutely right uh (laughs) yeah a few years ago i ran for a county commission and i'm 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 all getting petitions with my family sunday afternoon we're at the Tampa seafood festival i got my suit on good i was thinner (laughs) I'm looking good, and I start struck up this conversation with this girl, and it, as, as it turns out, um, she lived across the street from me in the area that I grew up in. A few years later, but across the street, we knew all the same people, all the same families. Uh, we had the very same opinion about what had happened in that you know that that neighborhood, and the very same view on what needed to be done to revitalize it. So I asked her to sign my petition so I could run. I didn't ask her to vote for me at that point. I just needed her to sign the petition so I could run. But in my state, you have to put the party that you're running under. And she saw a Republican, and she just couldn't sign it. And I said, what did we, dis- what did we disagree on? Nothing. But she couldn't do it. Can't she couldn't do it. do it. So I understand. So in, in our, and that was a few years ago. So in your um, your journey through all of this, especially on social media, do you see this working? Do you see this actually appealing, and do you see it growing? Do you do you hear from from people, especially because those gray beards and old heads? Um, I, I, I'll tell you straight up, uh, we're tired. <laughs> I'm saying like, you know what? Some of us have been at this for a long time. And it's time for some of our young bucks right. with, with energy to hop in there and take this thing. Um, do you see it working with people your age and more importantly, people a little younger than you? I do. I've uh, actually gotten a lot of DMs and that's one thing. I, and that's how I judge my, my reach and I judge my um, effectiveness is when I get DMs. I've gotten DMs from people that said they didn't like people but I have changed the perspective because I'm not, 
I'm not being uh, stereotype. I'm not stereotyping them. I'm not labeling them as racist, and I'm not blaming them by uh, lack of success. And and a lot of people don't see the reverse of what we do as well. So it's like if you keep telling somebody they racist, eventually they might end up being racist because that's just what you're tired. You're tired of it. Um, <laughs> that makes sense to me. So. Uh, and I did that, and um, so I looked at some of the DMs. So I had the ones that said, uh, some young kids specifically that said, hey, man, you know, I'm, I'm a young black kid, and, of course, I'm alone in the school because not every Democrat, and, you know, if I bring up Trump or bring up something, how do I respond to that? And my biggest message to everybody that's been has reached out to me on that, on that tip is to understand why you believe what you believe. You know what I'm saying? I think it was uh, – forget what Bible verses is, but it talks about, you know, when people question your faith and belief, have an answer. And yes. I always tell people, you got to have an answer for why, for why you believe what you believe. And I tell people, if you know what that answer is, then you'll never, you never um, waver. And that's why I never waver on things because I know the facts. It's like, look, I know what he said. I know what he did. I know what's not there. So I'm not going to assume because what happens a lot of times people just put things there and make inferences and that's just as bad. So I was like, until this direct proof, until this, this and that, I was like, man, it's it's not going to fly with me. But it's been working. I've been getting a lot of people to follow me. Um, I've had people, you know, of course, I'd have my family members look at me, give it a, the side eye, like, boy, what you doing, boy? And I was like, <laughs> hey, man, you know, I actually had my brother-in-law call me yesterday, and he was just like, what do you think about what Trump said about this? He saw he handled that reporter and he told the reporter it was not important or that it wasn't important for everybody to get tested. I'm like, yeah, you know, why is it not important for everybody to get tested? Because everybody don't need to test. I said, all of the people what? that have, are exhibiting <laughs> symptoms, it's like, all the people that are exhibiting Stop symptoms making sense, Topher. Stop making sense. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just don't get it. It's like people look for the smallest details. I'm like, man, what are y'all talking about? And stop calling and it the Chinese flu. Like, <laughs> stop calling it the Chinese I, flu. Hey, I ain't gonna lie. Kung flu is the the, the greatest. That's what we call it by now. Kung man. flu. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just and um. So yeah, I was like, so why is it xenophobic and racist? I said, like, first of all you're assuming that all Chinese people look alike and you're also assuming that everybody in China is a certain race or ethnicity. I'm like, there's, there's black people in China. There's, there's Indians in China. There's Muslims. It's not all, it's not even all the same faith. Russians. Like, so how is it? Racist? Russians. People who live up near the, right. <laughs> near the border. So I was like, how is that racist? Unless you're going to claim everybody in one race. I'm like, that's, that's not how that works. It's nationality. And like you said, I say it'd be different if we didn't have the German flu, Ebola, West Nile, Spanish flu, and MERS. I mean, they were just all named after where they came from. No one ever took out a text. And I was like, come on, man. So I don't get it. I, I understand the left's agenda because they have nothing else going for them. So the best thing they can do is just <laughs> slap all those terms on you. And I, I think I like uh, Dr. Umar Johnson's favorite words and when he was talking about homophobia. He said, uh, show me homophobia in the DSM. And there was like, I can't find it. He said, exactly. So it's a made-up term. A phobia is a diagnosis. It's a fear. And therefore, if it's a, uh, a medical fear, then it has to be within the DSM. If it's not in the DSM, it's not real. 
So it's like, so people out here throwing out homophobic or transphobic. It's like, guys, it's, it's made up words just to, like you said, just to make people turn away from you. And I'm just like, you just got to know how they plan the game. And I don't fall for it. And once again, all I do is just spit truth. And I try to keep it calm and simple. Um, Cause you know, Ravage Jack Arise is one of my uh, favorite apologists. Um, and I like how he presents information. It's not so much to win a debate, but to make you think. And when you sit there and you feel like you're not being, I guess, chastised, or you don't feel like you've been attacked with the words and information, people are more likely to listen. So I try to just present information. Of course, sometimes I get excited if it's something pretty cool, but at the time, I just try to be cool. It's like, look, man, at the end of the day, you're going to think what you're going to think. I'm going to think what I'm going to think, but I'm going to say what I have to say. You know? Yeah. I just been pretty effective. I'm glad because because I'm glad you I'm come, I'm glad you said that because I kind of learned the very same thing over time. You know, when I first started, I used to get a lot of hate, but I don't get much hate anymore because I guess you know what being consistent. Uh, I've been blessed enough. I've got about forty five hundred, almost five thousand podcasts in the can out there, uh, and I'm like, you know what? Go back and listen to what I said in 2010. Go back and listen to what I said in 2008. I'm not saying anything different than I was saying then. I'm not so enamored by the personality of Donald Trump that suddenly I had this epiphany. No, I. if this is an epiphany, I had it back then. I was saying it then. I was saying, and I'm saying the very same right. things now. And the very same things as they concern the Black community are still true. We, we, we continue to to have these self-inflicted social and financial things that hurt our community. We behave in a financial way that is detrimental sometimes uh, we, because we don't support our, our own. We, don't, we, we behave in a social way that is detrimental because a lot of times we put ourselves and our women in unenviable, untenable positions by our behavior. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, until we, and we're the only ones who can solve these problems. Which is amazing that people get mad at you when you say, no, 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 no. It doesn't matter what they say. We can solve our own problems but because we're the only ones who can. And then they get mad at you and call you an Uncle Tom. And I'm, I'm like, <laughs> all right, all right, whatever. <laughs> I'm not wrong. <laughs> so I'm yeah, so I'm glad like, yeah, uh, you said that. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I, I, like you were just saying, man, we can solve a lot of the stuff that we have an issue with, like saying, like, and that's why I told people I don't get mad at if I don't have money for something, I don't get mad at, you know, because my ancestors was in slavery, I don't have generational wealth. I just think about all the TVs and furniture I bought on my credit card a while back that it was not necessary to live. But we I have a, did. You have a T we have a TV for every room in this house. This is not this is why we do not have generational wealth. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. It's like I can look back over my life, look at the decisions and realize why I'm at where I'm at. So I was like, if people just do that, they realize they have more power than they think they have. And, and that's the power of propaganda and the white liberals. They want you to believe that you cannot do it on your own. You need them to come to be your hero, your savior, and they're going to look out for you. And when any time someone does something for you, you feel indebted to them. And that's why I tell people like, that's why you got to get it on your own. That's why I'm owe no man nothing. So you can tell them no, and you can go about your own business. And so it's just weird to me that um, we don't understand that, you know, we could talk about the N-word, we could talk about hip-hop and how everyone says that hip-hop is owned by the white label owners. I'm like, well, 
just stop making the music that makes them money or start making some music that people have to buy. It's like, y'all are, you've been a stay to the system. I, I know Kanye caught a lot of flack for saying that, but, um, but we have a lot of modern day slavery going on that people don't recognize. And I'm just like, yeah, I gotta wake up. And I said, this is what I was going to talk about as far as abortion and, and having babies out of wedlock. I said, you know, guys, if me, if us men was, we're not going to give girls any more mm, until they act right. <laughs> you know how much <laughs> we can cut back on some stuff or we're not going to give them anything until they marry us. And I was like, if we start thinking like that and realize that we got a lot of power within ourselves and our own autonomy um, to control that as, as men, instead of always blaming the women for getting abortions, I mean, they can't even have a baby without us. So if we just take back that power, like, hey, we're going to do the right thing. We're going to do this the right way. Because if you look, and the reason I say this, because wait till you get married, is because if you look at the abortion statistics, when you're getting married, women hardly ever get one. I think maybe 3% out of married women is abortion, or 3% of the abortions are from married women. women. It's crazy. Um, so I was just like, let's just do that. Let's, let's, let's get to the point where the guys are really being kings if that makes sense. It's like, we're really out here leading the way. And we, that's what we need. And I tell people a lot of time, the black community is lacking leaders, not just people in power, not just people in positions. We're lacking leaders. Yeah. And, and, and you're right, um, Topher. We can all, and I think that letting people know, especially black men and black boys that, you know what, you can be a leader inside your own home and inside your own group, inside your own friend group um, to do the right thing. Just do the right thing. You know, this idea that we don't, well, they don't know what the right thing is to do. Well, yeah, you do. You know, you know what the right thing is to do. Now, you know what you want to do. That's one thing. Because <laughs> some, uh, that's everybody. Because there is no temptation unknown, that's unknown to man. You know, everybody knows what they want to do. <laughs> but that may fly in the face of what you know is the thing to do. And sometimes right. it's hard. That's what makes leaders. That difficulty, that uncomfortableness you feel, that's why That's why it's hard. That's what'll make you a leader. That's the thing that'll turn you into a man. That's the thing that'll lead your community out of where it is. You getting through that uncomfortableness of going against the grain. Mm -hmm. You're doing it. The, uh, there are people like me. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't put myself in the same category as, as, you know, as a lot of people um, who I am. Um, our contemporaries with, but they certainly have done it. And it's funny, man. It's when I talk to people like you, we all have a similar story. Uh, we all have a similar story that we are going against the grain and going against the grain sometimes with our own families, which which is extremely yeah. which is extremely tough. So when somebody asks me if I'm getting a check, I'm like, you know, you think I just do this for the money? Do you know what I go through? Do you know what I go through when people know, see my face and now they know my name? And I would do this for a check? No, ain't, no, ain't nobody signing no checks out there. No, I don't have a Blexit check. Um, Candace Owens does not, I don't have her number. She doesn't return my phone calls or my emails. The woman doesn't even return my damn emails. I mean, I'm, I mean, so no, I'm not part of that. Speaking of that, what do you, before I let you go, what do you think about Blexit and the hassle and the and and the the pushback Blexit gets not only from white liberals because they were going to we talked about that, but some people who are in the black conservative community, 
how they how it gets pushed back from even them. Mm. There's a dude on, uh, on on Twitter called um, Jeff Jeff. I, I forget what his name is, but there are a lot of people who who have pushback against Blexit, and basically his pushback against Blexit, Jeff on the right, um, is because of the plantation and slavery um, narrative uh, they use for people to not be mm. Democrats anymore. So how is, how is that affecting what you do and how you present what you do? Uh, I, so I try to stay away from, I guess, the name calling, if that makes sense. Um, so I, I have, when I first heard about it, and, you know, being a part of the blessing movement, I've kind of seen that and hear them say that over and over. I get what they're trying to, to portray, but at the same time, uh, I wish they wouldn't use it so heavy. You know, but, you know, if you actually listen to all the, the leaders and listen to the discussions, like Larry Elder and, you know, Brandon Tatum and, mm-hmm. and King Face, I mean, if they, when they actually talk, they don't talk about plantation. You know, but it, the idea is that we've been on a plantation. I think right now that narrative will switch. Uh, well, not right now. It's going to be that narrative for the next year or two because we're trying to get the movement off the ground and get people to understand what we're trying to do. But I think as the years go on, once people become aware of Blessed and everything we got going on, our mission, they're going to be like, okay, we're going to down the language a little bit. Because, you know, you still need that shock and awe factor. You do. Um, when you're presenting something new. And I think that's what they're doing. It's like, hey, you are on a plantation. Because to me, we relate to that. You know, black people relate to plantation because, you know, we, we've been on plantation. It, up. it catches people's attention when you say it, that's for sure. So... I, I think that's where that language comes from. But it's the movement as a whole, you know, when I first heard about it, I actually I was I was talking like this before I even heard about it. But I ran across, I was like, okay, what's blessing? And then I was like, I looked into it, I looked into Candace Owens, and I was thought it was interesting that she wasn't even a conservative until like twenty eighteen. Like she was actually a Democrat and far left almost until then. And I was like, that's interesting. I wonder what made her you know, switch completely within that time to being the leader and face of the blessing movement. And I was like, all right. So I listened to her story and I was like, okay, I understand her a little bit. And then, you know, Brandon Tatum heard his story and, and you know, he's ex, um, ex-police officer. And, you know, when he was growing up, he was anti, you know, police and everything as well. So when I hear these stories, especially Larry Elder and people like that, I was like, man, this is cool to know. I'm not the only one out here, you know, trying to educate our people. And knowing that educating our people about, um, you know, your constitutional rights, I think is very important. Today, I went and purchased my first, you know, first firearm or whatever. And now you got out here. Oh, great. Now, about, I got, um, now I got to go get a gun. My wife didn't bug me about getting a gun. Thanks, Christopher. Thanks. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, you know. No, you're Black not. 19, <laughs> fifth generation. Um, but yes, <laughs> it's just one of the things like I was like, you know, because uh, Frederick Douglass said it the best. He said, man's rights rest in two, three boxes, the jury box, the ballot box, and a, the ammunition box. box. So <laughs> I was just like, I got to get one, you know, and I finally got a chance to get one. I said, hey, get one because it's very important. But the Blessing movie is is huge. And I don't get the if that's all Jeff on the right has to say about the movement and just the language, then I say, hey, man. Give it a little time, but don't push the movement because I always tell people like this. You got you got Martin Luther King and Malcolm X back when we had the civil rights movement. 
two very almost different approaches to how we was trying to get our freedom at the time, but both very necessary. Um, and I think we should do the same thing. I don't think Malcolm X ever said, don't listen to Martin Luther King or I don't like, well, I take that back. He actually said he didn't like Martin Luther King. <laughs> Matter of fact, at one point he did call Martin Luther King Uncle Tom, which is interesting. Um, if you know the story, the, if you read the book. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, details. If you did, and that's, and to me, that tells me too that people haven't read anything and they're just repeating what they've heard. And anytime a person calls me Uncle Tom, I'll be like, okay. <laughs> and they're like, well, you just you just happy about that, aren't you? I was like, yeah, I, I am. <laughs> you know, what Uncle Tom was. Um, but that's just my take on it. Um, like I said, I don't know why he had a perspective, but it's a it's a great movement, man. Oh, cool. I'm glad. And, and, and I think you're right. I think that all these things will play out in time. And as any movement matures, the message will mature. Uh, people will be more used to it. You won't need the, sh- I mean, you won't need the shock and awe factor. Um, and you'll be able to, and, and, and it'll be more open to different narratives and be able to do things differently than it does now as it matures. So, um, Christopher, thank you ever so much for dropping by here at Fight Back 2020. Uh, I'm so glad you're out there, man. I am so glad you're out there um, because it is voices like you that are in, that are important. Because anything that I do, especially on uh, TikTok, I can tell you what the response is going to be. The, the biggest response is going to be, okay, Boomer. Okay, Uncle Ruckus. Um, <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, okay, Boomer. Yeah, okay, Boomer. Yeah, first of all, I'm at the very, very end. Of, I'm the, I'm the, that the nth of the Boomer whole, whole deal. But that's fine. I'm just, I'm blessed to be alive. So I don't really care that much. So, but I, I appreciate you and I appreciate your, that you're out there. I appreciate the classy way that you do it, the respectful way you do it, because I think getting the information out in that manner is a lot better than a, a lot of people who are maybe a little bit more emotional, a little bit more out there, um, watching the language they use, um, and maybe they can't appeal to people. I, I appreciate that, because that's what caught my attention. Listen, you are welcome on the Fight Back 2020 stage anytime you want. Let us know what you're doing, and you can come back here and hang with, and hang with us. Now, we're not, we're not as hip as Blexit, probably. We don't have a lot of pretty girls. <laughs> <laughs> and there are a bunch of old heads out here, but you're willing to step up on the porch and hang out with us anytime yeah. you want. Hey, man, I, I love my old heads, man. I learned a lot from them, um, especially. So I say, hey, we, we need them just as much as we need the younger generation. So I, I hate that we're separating each other by saying words like, okay, boomer, because it's like, uh, uh, you might, you might want to take a second and listen to that person. Um, but yeah, man, I appreciate the invite, and like I said, I look forward to coming back over here. Maybe, maybe on, on uh, talking about some bigger news and some bigger movements I've been a part of, and and that'd be cool. So yeah, just I thank you all for you know letting me come out here and spill a little bit, and yeah, look forward to the next time, Willie. Let people know how they can see not just the TikTok, uh, but the YouTube channel as well. Yeah, so if you're listening, please go to topertown.com. That's T-O-P-H-E-R-T-O-W-N dot 
gmail.com where if you go all the way to the to the bottom i have my social media listed and all you gotta do is click you know i got my youtube tiktok all that down there i got a way you can cut me i got videos up because i got my own podcast as well it's a it's a visual podcast and those type of things so hey it's super easy and i'm everywhere so I appreciate that. That's fantastic. Yeah. All right. Um, Topher from, and the website is tophertown.com. Make sure that you go there, make sure that you support them, make sure that you share it with your friends because we are the best uh, marketing tool that exists. Social media doesn't necessarily like us, but it's okay. Cause we like us as long as, <laughs> as, long as we like us and we share us, we're going to be just fine. Again, Topher, thanks so much for, for coming on. So until we, uh, and then we're going to take a little break and we'll be back with more of Fight Back 2020 right after these messages. Gearheads know that some projects need so many parts, it feels like you need a whole storage unit just to store them. That's what eBay Motors 122 million parts are for. Think of it as your virtual parts garage. They've always got the right fitment at the right prices. Use the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. At Sandy Spring Bank, we care about people, not transactions. So we concentrate on creating personalized solutions to start or grow a business that provides for your family, to purchase a home that will house the memories you make there, to save so you can enjoy today and then pass on your legacy to future generations. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk. Visit sandyspringbank.com real. Mortgage, home equity, and other credit products offered by Sandy Spring Bank.